Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Welcome, my name is Pastor Dominic Grimaldi and you are listening to Street Talk Theology, where we keep theology real and bring it to the streets. I want to include my email address and would love some feedback from you guys concerning Street Talk Theology. You can reach me at Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. But Street Talk Theology is not about me. It's about how people bring their theology to the streets, whether it's in the home, the school, marriage, family, and or friendships. Eddie McLaughlin, who's with me today, is a dear brother in Christ. Eddie's an evangelist who mainly goes into prisons to preach and teach. He's a vital member of Prison Fellowship who brings theology inside the walls of the prison. Eddie, say hello to our listening audience this morning. Hello, Pastor Dominic. Great to be here with you this morning. Thank you, Eddie. Eddie has a heart for God. He's passionate in what he does. But in saying that, his testimony is one that is gripping and one that I would like him to share with our listening audience. Eddie Mack, talk to us, brother. Well, it's great to be here, brother. You know, the Bible's pretty clear that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, you know, King David said in his Psalms 51, you know, I was shaping in inequity, you know, in sin did my mother conceive me. And uh, Job also comments on that. He says, a man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. And that's the story of my life. I was born back east in New York, uh, was educated in Catholic schools, and I grew up in a very successful family. My father was a very successful businessman. You got to be careful from them guys from New York, Eddie. (laughs) Definitely. So grew up back east. It was a great time being a kid in the 1960s. But, you know, there were problems in our family. My father struggled with alcohol and there was some physical abuse going on in the family. My family moved out here when I was about 12 years old to Arizona. And um, I started uh, rebelling and running away uh, from a bad home situation. And I was looking for love and purpose and meaning in the drug culture of the late 1960s, early 70s. And as a result of running away, I found myself coming in contact with the law enforcement authorities, both here in Arizona and also in the state of California, and um, was incarcerated in a number of different institutions. Um, I'd been in mental hospitals, been in and out of juvenile detention and various jails. And at the age of 20 in the city of Scottsdale, I was arrested for a very serious felony. I was arrested for the crimes of first degree murder and armed robbery. And I found myself incarcerated in the Maricopa County Jail facing capital murder charges. Wow. And about that time, a man by the name of John Greer Nelson, he was a highly decorated uh, veteran from the Vietnam War, and he was from Tri-City Baptist Church. And John had a jail ministry, and he was a big Swede from Minnesota, blonde hair, wire rim glasses, and he would walk those cell blocks with a Schofield Bible. And every Tuesday and every Thursday for a period of a year and a half, he attempted to share the love of Christ with me. Praise the Lord. I was represented by a very famous trial attorney at this time by the name of John J. Flynn. He was responsible for arguing the Miranda decision. That's an Arizona case. And 
he would confront me with my crime and he'd say, Eddie, you've taken a man's life. You need to search your heart, examine your heart to see why that happened. So it would never happen again. And about that time, I'd heard the gospel in the jail, in the fourth floor of the Madison Street Jail. And I realized that I knew about God. I had a head knowledge of God. I was religious, but I was religiously lost. And I think the thing that struck me the most was that I was sinning against a holy and a righteous God who would call me into judgment for my sins. And the difference for me was the fact that Jesus Christ was God. He was who he said he was and that he was alive from the dead. And the Bible's very clear. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, so this I was happened. Ju- so this happened in the lockup I mean, before you got convicted or anything like that. I mean, this is before trial or anything like that. You got saved. I was, yes, I was in the process of, of going through the trial process when this happened. And um, as I started to grow as a young believer and in my faith, and I, I subsequently went through the trial process and I was found guilty uh, at the age of 22 when I was subsequently sentenced to die in the gas chamber at the wow. Arizona State Prison System. Let me ask you a question. I, and, and I know people would want to know, what is it like to be on death row? I, I know that's you probably been asked that a million times, but I think what is it like to be on death row, uh, especially now as as a Christian on death row, right? Because you got saved before you got to death row. So uh, how how was it dealing with death row and being a Christian and those kind of issues, if I may? Well, I was immediately taken to death row. And one of the obviously you're isolated from the general population and you're there um, in in pretty much seclusion in there. And for me, I was a young, a young believer and young in my faith. I was really actually excited about my salvation and I was growing um, in my faith as a believer on death row. And I was isolated and I started writing letters and just reaching out to anybody that would listen about the change that had literally taken place in my life. You know, um, you're obviously isolated. You're there. um, You're locked up 23 hours out of a day. It's a high custody. You're out maybe for an hour, uh, maybe a week, you know, to do showers and stuff like that. So here I am sitting there on death row condemned to die. So, and I kind of know this because me and Eddie are friends, but there came a time in this lockup situation that your case got overturned. Am Am I right in saying that? Or there was a reversal of the case? Well, there were a number of issues that troubled the high court and my case went back on appeal and the Arizona State Supreme Court had overturned my convictions. And I got an opportunity to go back into court this time as a young believer in Christ, you know, and I'd already purposed in my heart to accept responsibility for what I did. And the eight, the DPS fugitive task force had transported me from the prison system back down into the Maricopa County jail system for a new trial that I had won. And I remember telling my mother, um, I was ringed by sheriff's deputies. I was in the court one day and I told my mother, I said, mom, I'm guilty of what I did. And I need to accept responsibility for that. I'm going to go into the judge's chambers and plead guilty to my crimes today. And um, how did mom take that? You know, mom was like, no, you know, Eddie, you've won a new trial. We want you to come home. You were criminally insane at the time of, of your crime. And, and we really want you to come home. I'd been in prison five years at that point. And uh, they had wanted me to come home and, and to go to trial. And I had told my family, I said, I need to face up to what I did, probably for one of the first times in my life to really accept responsibility for what I did. 
And I went into the judge's chambers and um, was able to plead guilty to my crimes. And the judge told me, he said, my hands are tied by statute. I have to sentence you to serve 25 years to life in the Arizona State Prison uh, this morning. And uh, how much so how much time did you because I want to I want to let me ask this one question first. Just quickly, what is it like being in prison, being a Christian? Well, I mean, in the Christian, in, in being a Christian in prison, um, in some of the prisons that I've been in, a lot of the maximum security prisons, and especially in the main prison, um, you're going to get tested for your faith. You're you're going to get confronted Amen. about your faith. Yeah. There's gang members in there that are going to confront you, and uh, they're going to definitely test you. I'll never forget this. I was in the central unit as a young man, and I'd went out on the field. It was night field. And I went out there and I was surrounded by the prison gang, the Aryan Brotherhood, and they had surrounded me. There was about 30 of them. And uh, they were, they were sizing me up. And of course, coming off of death row, you've got immediate status and stuff in the prison. And they were sizing me up. I think they were maybe looking for weakness and they were like, well, what do you want to do? I'll never forget this guy uh, coming up to me and saying, what do you want to do? And I said, Hey, I'm a believer in Christ. I just came off a death row and uh, I'm just going to look around. For a while, get my feet under me, and they, they left me alone, basically. But um, God's protection. Just, God's protection. He looked. He looked after me, and um, it was just amazing in God's providence. And one of the first places I went to was the prison chapel. And um, when I went back into main population, I went to the prison chapel, and I got down on my face before God. The chapel was empty, and I cried out to God, and I just thanked Him for sparing my life, um, for passing over from death into life, and for God to use me in, in the prison system as I served him. Eddie, so how much time did you do um, all told? You never, so you basically got, got arrested, or as we say back in New York, you got pinched. I got right? pinched, yeah. You wow. got pinched, right? So <laughs> how many So how many years, so you never got out after, you, after the arrest, no bail, no nothing, right? No, no bail, no okay, bail. Okay, so how, how many years, Eddie? I did a total of 25 years on this day. I think they kept me an extra day. And then I also did time as a juvenile. I was in and out of trouble as a juvenile. I was a really good manipulator as a juvenile. Whenever I got in trouble, I was able to manipulate the circumstances to get released. But I spent quite a bit of time as a juvenile in different um, institutions and settings, you know, correctional settings like that. So let's fast forward. Um, you know, that that's your testimony. Praise the Lord for that. God saved you. He sanctified you. He obviously. And, and it's funny when when you think about God saving somebody in prison, people think they're going to get right out. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. here God saves you and, and you still had to do the 25 years. Um, and, and by God's grace, you're home. Well, before we get into your family situation, what were the, some of the struggles that you had when you came home. Now, how long are you home now, Eddie? Let me ask you that first. I'm going on 18 years. I'm starting okay. my 18th year out of prison. What, what a blessing. Uh, I mean, this is amazing. Amazing. So basically, you've been a Christian now uh, 25, 35, almost 40 years. Yes. Uh, September, uh, October 17th, 1980. Oh, so give me some, if you can remember back, give me some of the struggles you had coming out of prison so I, I, I only like to use these words, proving yourself that you are a true Christian. There are some people that obviously when you came out were skeptical. No, Eddie? 
Oh, definitely. I think some of the churches were afraid of me. First of all, I think the biggest struggle coming out of prison are you've got some internal factors that work against you. You've got fears and apprehension, and you're thinking, well, what would people think if they knew I've been incarcerated for 25 years? You know, so you've obviously got these insecurities and things going on inside of you, but then you have the external factors, the very real factor that you have a felony conviction. You have major felony convictions. Yeah and a 25-year gap in my work history. So how am I going to re-enter the world of work today? What does church look like today? So all of these were major, major obstacles for me. Um, My mother had handed me a cell phone outside of the prison, and I'm like, on a cup of coffee, and I'm like, well, what in the world is this? And she said, Eddie, that's a cell phone. You can call anywhere in the country with that phone. And obviously, you know, technology had changed, and the world out here had changed dramatically, And I'm walking out into a situation like that. And then my family situation was not the best. I had written several halfway houses and I wasn't allowed to go there because of the nature of my felony, because of the violent nature of my felony. I wasn't able to go to a lot of halfway houses. Home was not a good place for me to go. My father didn't want me very successful. He's divorced from my mother. He lives in a, in a, in a very large home, but he did not want me to come home. Is and, that um, still alive? Is that still alive, Eddie? No, both of my parents have passed away okay. since then. So, so sorry. And um, so Eddie, talk to me about Paula. Do you know Paula? Yeah. My wife, Paula. Yeah. yeah let's let's talk to me about oh, Paula gosh. and the kids. What about them kids? Tell me about you. Tell me about your wife and, and, and children. Well, you know, I spent 25 years on the backside of the desert, kind of in the penalty box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for uh for my sin that's a major penalty buddy and and my crimes (laughs) and uh i'd always had a desire and a dream to to get married and um god was just so gracious to me um and i had an opportunity i met my wife her father taught a bible study in one of the ministries that i worked for i lived in a training center and we met and um it was just incredible uh she's such a blessing to me she uh grew up in the church um, she's a Bible college graduate, got her master's degrees, but she's a great, great woman of God. And we started dating in her church, a conservative Baptist church. We started dating and five months later we were married. And then we lost a baby early on in our marriage, which was kind of difficult for yeah. both of us. And then ultimately God blessed me with the birth of my son, Andrew. And uh, I remember when Andrew was coming, I didn't have insurance. I was working three minimum wage jobs. And the men in my church said, hey, man, you need to step up and you need to man up. And I'm like, nobody <laughs> talks to me like that. Who yeah, yeah I, just did, you know, I just did 25 years in the yeah, can. You're going to yeah. tell me to man up? Yeah. Who do you think you're talking to, man? <laughs> nobody ever talked to me like that. And, and the men in my church said, hey, you need to man up. You need to step up to the plate. Your wife needs to stay at home with those yeah. kids. And I'm thinking, how am I going to pay for this, man? And my son cost me over $10,000 cash. Hey, Eddie, so um, Paula's parents, they were any skepticism about the marriage or was there any uh, feedback with them? Well, I I went to her father, asked her father permission to date her, and uh, he gave me permission, which was good. And uh, now her father was actually in ministry. Her father was an usher in the church, but he actually- praise the Lord. But her, her dad, Bob, actually did um, did transitional uh, ministry. He was uh, very prominent in the jail ministry here in Arizona, but he also mentored men uh, coming out of prison. So uh, he was very, very, uh, just a very godly man. 
that just loved me and prayed for me. Her mother, um, her mother loved me. I've never experienced love like that before in my life. And my wife always tells me, you know, you married me to get at my mom, but uh, <laughs> a great, so, a great yeah. mother-in-law. And please give Paula and the kids my love. I, I spoke to, um, what was that Lizzie yesterday? Lizzie. Right? Yeah, no, Lizzie had the headset on and she's really shy, which was kind of amazing. She comes over here to the radio mic and puts the headset on yeah. and she's interacting with you and, you know, just a blessing, you know, um, Andrew was born. And then two years later, um, I'm having a, a daughter and, um, each day I live, I'm just in awe of the grace of God. Yeah. God is really kind. Bless okay. me that way. So now we're going to fast forward. We're kind of going quick here because listen, you know, Eddie, me, how me and you do two guys from New York. We like to talk, but yeah. so this is definitely going to be a two part series. If you don't mind, if you would love to come back again, because oh, yeah. we're at 16 minutes here, but we got, we got a little time. I want to fast forward to how we met and that would be in seminary in your seminary experience. Um, because obviously uh, that's how we met. We met in Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. So I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, you're talking about 25 years. When did you actually start seminary after you got out, Eddie? Well, I had been out for a number of years doing ministry. Um, I, I'd spoken at a number of different churches. I've got a heart for aftercare ministry and some very good friends of mine had confronted me and said, have you ever thought about going to seminary and really preparing for the ministry? And um, I mean, here I am, a, a struggling young man, you know, working, trying to support my family. They offered to help me financially to go to school. And I really didn't understand what the call was like to, to right. go to seminary. Right. And I sat down with a good friend of mine, Pastor Dan Gavaza from Palmcroft Baptist Church. And, and I said, hey, what's it look like if God's calling you to school? And uh, he and I prayed through it. And uh, God provided a way for me to go to Golden Gate Theological Seminary to start school. And I, you know, not having an education, not really having a background like that, I really struggled at the seminary. And I think it was uh, Dr. Dodrell that had recommended that I needed some help. And that's how the two of us <laughs> came together. <laughs> I want to keep going a little bit with seminary. Um, one thing I, that I loved about seminary was me and you, we, we met. I had other brothers that we met and, and, and things like that. So it's a good place of fellowship. It's a good place of encouragement Though the school work is hard, we know that. But talk to me about some of the struggles you might have had, like we all did with schoolwork, because, you know, me coming out of prison, I mean, I didn't come out as like, a, you know, I came out to go to seminary and that that stuff was not easy. Um, some of the struggles you might have had, some of the accomplishments that I think you, you have many and some of the friendships and some of the teachers inside the seminary setting uh, before we move on. Just Well, this is awesome. You know, for me, technically, you know, the, the Logos Bible software and the technical research to write the theological yeah. uh, papers was really, really difficult. I would literally be in tears, you know, trying to write the papers and, and doing the research and stuff like that. The academics were really, really tough for me. Yeah, yeah. But the professors were very gracious. You know, it's got a funny story is when I first started seminary, I thought I would sign up for uh, church history, early church history with Dr. Gerstner, because I thought at least I knew something about church history. And uh, one of my first grades with him was like 50% in history, and I was devastated <laughs> by that. The lowest grade I ever got in my life on a multiple choice 
test, but he was a very, very gracious man, a brilliant, he's a gracious guy, just a right? brilliant church historian, just yeah. a brilliant guy. And uh, very, you know, he's very in, you know, he's in Florida now, Eddie, right? Oh, I thought he was down in Mexico in Cancun or something. No, he's down in Florida. He's a chaplain. Wow. He's a great guy. And, you know, uh, Dr. Harry Haney was another guy that I was really intimidated by. He's a New Testament professor, and he's just a brilliant, brilliant theologian. And he was very gracious to me. He would sit down and talk to me and, and, and he'd tell me, he'd say, Hey, you know what? Going to seminary is more than just the academics, it's ministry. And uh, he was very, very encouraging. Um, I can't say enough about all of the professors there in the seminary. Dr. Greg Kappas is another guy that just would pray over me and, and minister to me. So there were some great relationships formed there in the seminary. Uh, Dr. Smith is another one. And I know that you, are very close to Dr. Smith. And I know he's provided some opportunities for you and he's been very active in your life, but just some great, great teachers there at the seminary and uh, learning has just been amazing. It's just been a great journey. Eddie, um, we got about, about three minutes before we end this segment. It goes fast, right, Eddie? It does. It goes does fast. Too fast, That's why but... I got to have you back because like I mentioned in the beginning of the program, Eddie is involved in prison fellowship. So that's going to be the next segment. But um, I want to give you about three minutes to talk to us about, as I keep talking, it'll be less and less time, right? If somebody's listening that was in prison, that's struggling as a Christian right now, can you give them some encouragement? That's what I want you to do. Can you give them some encouragement? Well, I mean, I think the main thing is to keep your faith, keep your faith focused on Christ. You know, it's difficult making that transition coming out of prison. It's obviously difficult. There's physical obstacles to that. But I, I would encourage people to really be open in their church to find a good Bible-believing church where Christ is preached. And then the key is, is relationally, I think you need to form relationships out here. You're leaving the church inside the prison. You're a born-again believer, and you need to be able to form effective relationships out here. You need to be open and honest with the men in your church out here. That's hard for men to do. Even regular guys in the church, it's hard to, right, right. to do that and, and to reach out to a prison ministry to find support and to have people hold you accountable in, in what you're doing in your life and um, praise God. And, you know, I share my testimony and as difficult as 25 years in prison is and the bondage of prison is just incredible. Far worse is, is that bondage uh, that we're in the bondage to sin. Amen. And I just want to lift Amen. up the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, by coming to Jesus Christ, by his death and burial and resurrection, you know, uh, God frees us uh, from that bondage and he gives us hope and he gives us new life. And I'm all about people coming to know Christ in a, in a, in a vibrant, in a living way. He's you know, a good so God. He really is a good he God. He is very gracious. Very gracious to myself who did, you know, uh, many years in prison and, and Eddie, and that was our kind of connection in seminary. And, um, and, and we've been friends ever since. And Eddie's been a blessing to me um, he's a man of resolute faith. Um, you know, a man who, um, has, you know, he come, he comes from the, the, like both of us from the, from the dark side of the town, so to speak. But, but you know, when God brings you from darkness into light, it's an amazing, an amazing story. I, um, Eddie would love to have you come on one more time, if that'd be okay with you. 
to uh, interact with us on one more show. Would that be okay? Yeah, we'd love to come back, tell you what we're doing as a ministry and just exciting things are happening. And it's a, it's a privilege to be here today. It really is. Yeah, we, we uh, you know, me and Eddie are brothers and, you know, I love Eddie and then we interact and we have a lot in common, obviously prison and ministry and stuff like that. But we're going to save uh, Eddie, what he's doing now for our next show for next week. But in the meantime, I do want to say, again, my name is Pastor Dominic Grimaldi, and you are listening to Street Talk Theology, where we bring theology to the streets, and here we're bringing it from the prison to the streets. So we thank you for joining us today. We'll have Eddie back again next week. So we just thank you, uh, Lord, and praise you in Jesus' name. And Eddie, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.